0: and welcome to not the bottom, probably the middle, somewhere in the shaft of the pit. Uh, this is Tales from It, the aforementioned pit. I'm your pit explorer, Mr. Michael Swain and I am always blessed to be joined by someone in the pit because, damn, the pit would be rough on your own. And I think that's the whole point of Tales from the Pit. Here with me is. My gal pal, Miss Katie Willard. The divine Miss Katie Willard, I think we can say. Hello. Oh, I
1: like it. I like it. I like
0: it. Hi, Katie. Hi, Michael. How are
1: you this morning?
0: Welcome back to the pit. (laughs) I'm good. I have strong survivor's guilt doing this episode. Let me explain a bit about why we're doing this episode. Um, People have been asking lately, uh, where did Tales from the Pit go? And I've been responding privately via Twitter DMs and stuff that I'm in a really good place right now mentally, and no one wants to hear that. (laughs) Because I feel like Tales from the Pit exists to normalize these experiences so people are more free to reach out uh, when they're undergoing crisis and undergoing severe challenges. And I haven't been lately but a bunch of people responded, that's malarkey. We really would love to hear a check-in. Especially people undergoing an addiction journey. They want to hear a check-in about how things are going with our addictions.
1: Right. So, can I can I just yeah. say, though, is that life is mm-hmm. not entirely pit. Even if you are having bad mental health, even if you are in addiction, life is not all pit. There are moments of, like, good... And then, and then you trip and fall back into the pit again. Like... I know for me and my like journey in recovery, my journey as a human, like it, you need the, to know that the, like, the better parts come because then you'll fall in the pit again and then you'll be bummed, but then you'll remember like, hey, it's not always like this, <laughs> you know?
0: Oh, see, there's an update then. That's substantive data. I haven't mastered that because I still... Uh, I definitely have the thing where... When I how ha- undergo a good period, especially of mental stability, where it doesn't matter what the external circumstances are, I'm good. Like when my mental kingdom is in order, I will think, man, I'm invincible. Like I'm untouchable when my brain works right. And I've like, I banished or I found the right medication mix or whatever. I'm golden now. It's always going to be this way. Then I get depressed and I go, I lost it. Damn. Well, this is the depression that will last until I die um there's no digging out of this pit. I always think whatever's in front of me is the thing- is like it is that way now, the end, and I don't know. I mean, I'm talking to my therapist about why I think that earth that way but uh you're able so you're able to remind yourself when things are good that don't get too invested in this. There will be bad times and then vice versa.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me in terms of recovery now, the the pits and the, the the pits and the Hills aren't so giant. Mm -hmm. It's a little more kind of like a, um, someone once described it as a, um, a carousel, you know, where it's like, kind Uh, of like, you know how the horses go like up and down a little bit.
0: As you go around, the horses also go up and down. I got you. But
1: it's not like a, you know crazy roller coaster i'm doing some really mm. great pantomime you can't you guys can't see but Michael <laughs> yeah. can. um and like to just know that to not ascribe meaning um to the good and the bad like quote unquote good and bad because it's like when life's rocking you know i used to be like oh it's cuz of me like i'm doing this mm. Um, And then when things are bad, it's like, oh, it's because of me. I'm doing this. I'm a piece of shit. I'm like the worst, you know? And the truth is, is it's like neither of those things are true. I'm just a human existing. Mm. That's a huge
0: revelation, yeah. The, The same reason that Elon Musk somehow deludes himself into thinking that he's worth that much and he must be such a good person because otherwise how would he have all this money? That fundamental attribution error, I find most people who don't end up that privileged, uh, they use that to beat up on themselves. They're like, why aren't I Elon Musk? I must be not good right or I would be rich and my life would be in order and I'd or I'd have the perfect family and ke- or like 2.5 kids and all this shit oh, right. whatever you define success as you start to think man the barriers between me and that must just be that I'm or I, th- I find a lot of people go this route I'm not hustling hard enough or I'm Oh yeah something some fundamentally like,
1: wrong with me as a human. Be
0: aware that no th- stuff's pretty stacked against everyone (laughs) they're like life is just tricky dude
1: (laughs) yeah and like that's like fundamentally just like having your house in order is it Mm -hmm. that's it that's all we can hope for is like Mm -hmm. to just have not have chaos all the time and sometimes things will happen that will throw our lives in a chaotic loop right death Mm -hmm. breakups Financial things, whatever, but like trying to just accept the present like the present moment and just kind of do what the next indicated action is until you're through it like that's really all we can hope for that we're generally relatively happy and grateful, and when we're sad, we feel our emotions or angry, we feel our emotions and then we move through them back to happy and back to sad then excited then angry like. That's, I think, the problem with social media and then just the giant wealth divide and all of this is that we're aware of all of these possibilities, right, that someone can have a bajillion dollars or whatever, and we listen to Elon Musk because of fucking Twitter and he has a mouthpiece, and we're aware of this human, and then we're aware of where we sit in, in, you know, relation to this human. Relative
0: to that, yeah.
1: And then we we make a judgment about ourselves and our worth and our existence. And it's like, currently I'm trying to live my life as if social media just didn't exist. Um, like, mm-hmm. I'll go on a little bit at the end of the day, but I'm trying not to interact with Twitter and and Instagram. and so Instagram is less terrible. You're all TikTok. Just TikTok twenty four seven, all
0: day. Yeah.
1: But I'm trying to like approach it as more of like a this isn't a given, right? TikTok is you know like social media is not like a prerequisite of being a human. I think we believe it is, it's not. Um, and what's ironic is the only tweet that I've ever had go viral went viral during this period. I walked out of Mocha, tweeted about contemporary art on a Lark, logged out of the app. Then the next morning, my best friend Caroline gets in the car with me, and she's like, oh, my God, your tweet. And I was like, what? And she was like, some libertarian got a hold of this thing, and then people started retweeting it, and there are a bunch of quote tweets. And it's like 90, I think it's like almost 90K likes and like whatever. Um, and I don't care, which is kind of not, you know, it's kind of that feeling of like, miss But like it's that thing of these are all metrics that we are – holding ourselves to that don't mean anything they don't mean anything they don't mean anything. oh i have
0: a terrible problem with because twitter in a way is a place to showcase your comedy writing skills because it is like arguing it's very similar if you're on comedy twitter if you curate your thing like i do that it's weighted towards comedy writers and comedians then it does feel like being in a big writer's room where you're trying to shout your joke out and get attention and see, Am I funny, daddy, please tell me, you know? And uh I'm my the voice in my brain's very guilty of like I definitely think any comedy writer who is basically me, like a shlubby white guy with a beard, nerd, pop culture, comedy writer who has more followers than me on Twitter. My brain tells me, Oh well, that guy must be twelve percent funnier than you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or oh, you're funnier than this guy. Because you're basically the same guy, but he has less followers, so <laughs> you must be funnier. And it's and it what kill will always haunt me is the only tweet I've ever had go viral was like, uh hey, what's your favorite candy that they don't make anymore? (laughs) So it's like just like a general icebreaker. And I'm like, no, I'm funny. I'm clever. Look at me for that. Appreciate me for the thing I want you to. That is
1: perfect evidence that it really is not based on anything real. You know, like the. the It's based
0: on algorithms, which is this mercurial shifting yeah. The point is, none of these numbers should make you feel full of worth or not. Uh, you know, it's your value to the network and the people that you're actually connected to. Not that we don't connect through social media. Social media is just a thing, right? I've had so many meaningful connections forged through social media.
1: 100%. Um, it is a tool, but it's not like the end all be all, I guess. Is my there's a lot
0: of extra noise in there. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And I mean, think about this. You don't have to ever access the internet to be a living human being, but doesn't that seem unimaginable?
1: (laughs) It's been interesting. It's been interesting. This period of time that I'm actively choosing to like be more thoughtful about my interaction on the internet. Um, I find I don't really miss it.
0: (laughs) But does that include, I'm saying like, when you want to know information, you don't look it up. When you want to go somewhere, you don't use the GPS. You like- No, no I mean, I'm
1: talking about like social media, but I've been doing I'm a fair amount. I've been doing I, a fair amount- of We threat. lived
0: before the internet. When we were kids, there was no internet. Isn't yeah. that crazy?
1: It is crazy. I think about the fact that like my little brother, he he's 11 and he just got his first girlfriend. Um, and they 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 became boyfriend and girlfriend last week, when, and we were facetiming and talking about it. And then we him yesterday. He was like, "I think my girlfriend's cheating on me." I'm like, "What makes you think that?" And he goes, "Well, she keeps leaving me on red on our text messages." And I'm like, "What?" Huh? <laughs> I'm like, "She goes to a different school." I'm like, "Maybe she's busy, Chris." Like, mm-hmm. but but this this internet like world this nomenclature this like uh instant gratification instant connection with other people like Mm -hmm. that he's worrying about that at 11 years old that his girlfriend left him on red didn't respond right right away like yeah it's painful it makes me hurt Well, yeah,
0: well, we, I don't know. Uh, things become more complex and more sophisticated as time goes forward. So the new generation will definitely be more sophisticated than, like more, there's more detail in their lives than we had to contend with. Just like if you go back to our grandparents' generation, their lives seem quaint and simple to us. Uh, that just keeps going. One wonders if there's a limit to the human Ability to a culture like how fast paced and complex and how short of an attention span can you have? Like what about people a thousand years from now? But uh, speaking of ADHD, which I recently got <laughs> diagnosed with, let's get back on track because I want to talk about you know something. Uh, I we've def I've relied on the internet for in this time is to keep in touch with the people who are my support system when it comes to alcoholism specifically but addiction generally Mm -hmm. and uh let's check in since I guess you don't do social media there there's the segue I was looking for you don't do social media this is how your fans will hear you know your fans and people that love you need to hear how you're doing so uh I am 27 months sober from alcohol which is great I'm uh quit smoking cigarettes much, much lo- later than that. That's fine. And I haven't smoked weed for three weeks.
1: Yay! So
0: those are just stats. How I'm doing is, and I think the big revelation for people, I talked about stuff seeming impossible. I think it's important to note that when I was in my drinking, I did not, I have a prodigious imagination, but I did not imagine it was possible that I would go a day without drinking ever again. I couldn't it seemed unimaginable in a like incomprehensible way where i was just like i just don't know what that would be like and uh and now i don't drink and i don't think about it and it doesn't matter um which is great uh i will say it's not a perfect like i i'm not checking in to say and we're done here like conquered because for me and then i want to hear certainly katie your experience what resonates what doesn't what's different what's the same but For me, this has been a long, slow process of whittling down. Like, I just was able to not drink because drinking, the consequences were so immediate and dire. Like, it does help that it is poison and it tastes like poison and it makes you sick. Like, that it was helpful for me to eventually break that chain. But the addiction demon, like the fact that I get addicted to things, I've made very little progress (laughs) with that. Like, we're not out of the woods. I just did weed instead. And then I was like, well, these cigarettes are gonna kill me, so I gotta stop. So now I only have weed and now I don't smoke weed, but I drink a pot of coffee a day and eat way too many sweets. So it's like, what are you gonna do? And I was talking to our mutual friend David Bell, and he's like, "You're not going to do anything, dude. Everyone is like that. Human beings need treats constantly. You just shifted onto something." And I'm like, "No, I think I can actually get discipline, or I think I could one day kill the beast inside me that is the addiction monster." Where do you sit on all this, Katie? How's it going for you? How long you been sober, and how's it going for you? Where okay, are you Okay,
1: let's see. Uh, I looked at the app. I have 8.83 years of sobriety. Woo! So that's sober from drugs and alcohol. Um, yeah. I...
0: Yeah, the real sober. I know, I fudge mine.
1: No, no, hey, <laughs> hey, you'd be way worse off if you were drinking. So I'm, oh, for sure. I'm just super happy you're not drinking. <laughs> and you'll get, you'll get wherever you need to get mm-hmm. in whatever amount of time you need to get there. I, you know, I... Everybody's situation is different, so whatever. But, like, I recently had a breakup and started smoking cigarettes again. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, my my best friend jokes, she's like, every two years, Katie will smoke for a month and a half and then stop. And that's pretty much it. Like, something will go down that just, I just want to garbage up my body. I know it's bad. I want to mm. do something that's bad, but my sobriety is super important to me. So I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to use drugs. I know that those won't solve the problem. I also know that cigarettes won't solve the problem, but at least I can do something like bad and nasty and feel kind of like cool and bad and gross about it. And then I reach out a... like revel in
0: your grief or whatever. Yeah. Be Like I feel so bad. I'm hurting my body. Yeah.
1: Essentially it's self. I mean, it is self harm, but like, because anybody who started smoking after the sixties knows that it's not it's not good oh, for yeah, you. No, it's bad. But yeah. like, you know, I they 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 don't affect me from the neck up. It's not a mind altering substance, so whatever. And and the truth is I have found in my sobriety that, that addiction is a whack a mole, right? You know, you stop doing one thing, you you start doing another and it's kind of just like for me, as long as it's not drugs or alcohol or like physical self-harm, like cutting, you know, like cutting myself or whatever, um, then it's okay. It's it's fine. Like progress, not perfection, right? I'm never going to get this thing totally, like, <sighs> so totally for me. taken, you know, care of. I'm never going to be cured of, of alcoholism. Like it's always going to be, be there, even if I don't drink, you know? I'm like, I... The thing, the way in which my alcoholism manifests itself is zoning. Out, a lot of zoning out. I have watched the entirety of Criminal Minds through at least five times, maybe six. It is a fifteen-season show with twenty-two episode seasons. I and forty-four I, minute episodes. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah and I'll just watch it, and it won't. At this point, I know everything that happens in every episode. Like, I know who the Mm. the unsub is the moment the episode starts. Like, I I know. Um, And I I hit a bottom recently, which is part of why. Because you can hit bottoms in sobriety and not drink or use. Like, you can hit emotional bottoms, spiritual bottoms, that sort of thing. And, like, I hit a bottom where I just moved into my apartment. And all I would do is lay on my chaise lounge and watch Criminal Minds all day, and my shoulders would be all, so tense because I would be laying in a weird position, and I wouldn't leave my house, and then I'd get up and go to bed at, like, midnight, and I'd lay in my bed and not be able to fall asleep because I hadn't expended any energy the entire day, and then I'd just lay and be uncomfortable, and then I'd get up at nine, and then I'd, like, and i just hit a bottom where I'm, like, I don't want this to be what my life is. Like I, I, I have the power of choice in this situation and like, what do I want to, cause I'm, you know, I'm not working consistently right now, like producing. And I'm like, I have three days. I have choice. Like, what do I want to do with this time? Cause I don't always have time like this. And so yeah, You know, I took, I tried to transmute one of my defects into an asset, which is, uh, I'm very type A, and sometimes that can be super um, not great for me, but I decided to use my power for good and not evil, and I made myself a syllabus, essentially, for the next month, where I want to be more consistent about my art practice, I want to start I want to be and now I consider myself like an artist full-time and because that's how I spend my days and you know part of this thing was you don't get to watch criminal minds <laughs> like you can watch it but it has to be stuff you haven't seen before and it has to be after 6 p.m. like I get up at 6 do my spiritual practice make myself breakfast get ready make art from eight to noon um and which i i ended a little early for you michael uh to record this um eight to noon this is art it is um it's communication and that's what art is Mm -hmm. and um make myself lunch and then i go to a coffee shop because it's important for me to get outside of my house and see other people and interact with other humans and i go and i drink a coffee and i read and i have a a reading list for this next month of books that I've wanted to read about creativity and process. And Mm -hmm. then I hang out with friends and I go to a park and read. I have a folding chair in my fucking back of my car and I sit in the sun because especially now that it's getting dark so early, I need to feel the sun on my skin and I put my feet Mm -hmm. in the grass and like, and I hang out with the people that I love and I come home and then I can dick around on Instagram a little bit if I want or like, you know, hop on Twitter or watch something on the TV. And then at nine, I start getting ready for bed and I turn on a like a guided in, you know meditation on YouTube at 930 and I'm asleep by like 10, and I get up the next day and I do it again. And I really like this, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is how I want to spend my days. And I, I think that's the gift. How are you? What?
0: How are you accomplishing hanging out with people you love so every day? Because I, that's tough for me, literally to find the time and get the people. I just tried to have a board game night yesterday, and it's impossible to get people to come over at a particular time now that we're all in our mid thirties.
1: Well, that's. I mean, that's the thing for me is my my afternoons are kind of open. So it mm. you know, like I watched Survivor on Wednesday night with my friend Paul and we we zoom with our friend Whitney who's in Laguna Beach and Gotcha.
0: So, oh okay, so still involving Zoom and whatnot.
1: Oh yeah, like there's all sorts of You stuff. I was
0: imagining I'm like, Are you did the pandemic not touch you? You're just out here with your feet in the grass <laughs> seeing people. No, I mean it's okay. like
1: we're all like by by people, I mean like my best friends and like my mother, and yeah. uh, you know I'll have coffee with people at various coffee shops in in um, in Los Angeles, and like that's
0: pretty good though. It's good life, Willard.
1: <laughs> well, I consider myself very lucky, and like you know, I but I only have these choices mm. because I'm sober. I I would be in a fucking ball in my apartment. Actually, you know what? No, I wouldn't even have it's this apartment. Such a apartment. time sack. I would still yeah. I would still be. I probably wouldn't have even been with my ex either because we're both we're both sober. So like mm-hmm. like if I was drinking and using, I don't even know what the situation would be. I just know that I would be small. My life would be very small. I would be very angry and sad. Um, and I probably wouldn't be doing well
0: and the health problems escalate like for me towards the end it was escalatingly I like my before my I, I accepted my life was unmanageable for myself and where I wanted to be before I hit some of the classic rock bottoms like I didn't lose my career per se but I wasn't far away from being so drunk so much that I would have not been able to maintain what I was doing. So like, I think I would have lost my comedy career for sure in another six months because the thing is it, it gets more and more. It it always just gets more and more. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of drugs. You need more later.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. And your body is just not able to process it. I mean, for me, my, there's a
0: point where you can't process that much drug. Yeah.
1: My health problems were all like, result of me not being able to take care of myself because I didn't binge drink it in it mm. enough in a way that like, at least at the point I was at before I got sober, it wasn't that the alcohol, I'm sure it wasn't great, but like, it, it wasn't that it was like right. when, when we, when we shot kill me now, I got a, uh, abscess in my tonsil mm-hmm. that I ignored for like the first week of us being there because i got there early with you guys and i was like Damn. yeah i oh it, it's kind of sore uh what a, like nah, it's fine it's fine and i would like get popsicles and like hold them on my console and then like we would be up at like two o'clock in the morning and i'd be drinking like scalding hot soup to try and like lessen mm-hmm. the the pain See of that. my console and I was like, well, I'm not, I don't have a fever because Travis's mom kept like putting a thermometer in my mouth and it was, oh, I don't have a fever, I don't have a fever. And then one morning mm-hmm. I woke up and the whole bed was drenched in sweat. And I was like, I had to have had a fever. Like there's no other yeah. thing. So they took, you know, his mom took me to the urgent care and I couldn't even speak because my tonsil was like pressing against my inner ear and my vocal cords, and I was sounded very, like, tonal. I couldn't really talk. And the nurse came in, and she took one look at me, and she was like, we need to admit you to the emergency room. Like, you can't, you got, and I was like, what? And then they, you know, I was in the emergency room. They drained it. It was awful. Um, And... They gave me pain meds, which I, that was when I learned I was really into pain medication and th- they sent me off with like antibiotics, and I had to take these really mm-hmm. heavy antibiotics three times a week, and it's like or three times a day and when we were shooting, we were shooting overnight, and i would we would I would drink and then take these antibiotics and because we were shooting overnights, i didn't ever really know like what Time. I needed to take the meds, but I didn't give a shit. I was just like, whatever. Uh, Nor
0: did we. I was busy rewriting pages because we found out, like, instead of a lumber mill, we couldn't get that. We have a quarry now. You got to rewrite it. The bear's not going to be a bear trainer. It's going to be a guy in a suit. You got to rewrite it. And we would just be like, okay, so then we need. So when do we need Willard? Um, I don't know, like 6.30. Okay, we'll call Willard at 6.30 in the morning. You, like, we just were calling people whenever to get whatever. Like, yeah, we were just going, going, going. It but, was a crazy shoot. But, like, you
1: know? that's my alcoholism. It's like, I don't really care. Like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. It's whatever. Like, don't, you mm-hmm. know. And then my tonsils ended up being, like, a, an issue until, really until I got sober and then learned, like, hey, you got bad tonsils and you need to be careful about, like, Mm-hmm. The, the, what you eat and how you take care of your throat. <laughs> and now it doesn't happen as much anymore, like throat issues. But okay. like, but that was like where I was heading, where it was just like I didn't take care of anything pressing in my so life.
0: But that's the greater symptom, right, of alcohol or your drug of choice becoming one of the most destructive aspects of addiction is that it becomes your number one priority. Mm-hmm. And it's that that doesn't leave space for you to prioritize things. that You'll find yourself wondering how come I never Or like I've had a toothache for months and why can't I find the time to go to the dentist? Uh, you spend all your time seeking your drug or being on the drug or recovering from having just been on the drug. It's a huge time. suck. Yeah. it just, it, it will take up your entire life uh, on a daily basis. It will fill as much space and time as it can. Yeah. If you have the propensity for it, for sure. And it's, yeah, I, So, okay, good. The whack-a-mole analogy is really good. I think that will benefit people out there and resonate with almost everyone, that it is a game of whack-a-mole. And even when people have eight and some years sober, um, that is not to say, which I think it's important to hear when you're starting out in your sobriety journey, uh, or at least it is for me. I still have to remind myself this because I'm an all-or-nothing thinker. Don't, like, let's say you're a few days sober. I think one of the easiest ways to slip is one bad thing happens and you're like, I'm sober and life is still hard. Fuck this. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, So as much as we want to encourage people, it's also to be reminded that uh, just because you, your life is in shambles because you're deep in the pocket of big drug or whatever um, sobriety doesn't then make you be like, now my life is enchanted magic where nothing ever goes wrong. But you can honestly say to yourself and you should constantly remind yourself when bad stuff happens I find um would this be easier or harder if I was also hungover or drunk or thinking when can I drink next? Harder. It would be harder. The stress thing would be even more stressful and harder to cope with. So Alcohol may temporarily provide the illusion of not thinking about it for a second because you're so drunk you can't think about it, but it definitely is easier in sobriety to deal with, even the negatives, which will still come well,
1: up. well that's the thing is I know I know that drugs and alcohol will not <laughs> solve my problems or make it better. it will only make it worse and the thing about you know alcoholism and drug addiction is it's like once it's not the fourth drink, it's the first drink, right? Like, once the first drink or drug happens, it sets off a chain of events where I don't know what the outcome is gonna be, right? It's that first one. It's not the fourth one when I'm super fucked up. I don't get to the fourth if I don't drink the first. And so, like, that for me, I just, I know that that's not, not an option. I I mean, and this is a a thing I've been through in sobriety. It's like, I'd rather kill myself than drink or use,
0: you know, like
1: that was, Mm. you know, and that is, that means like I got to deal with some other shit and then I, you know, got medicated and like, that has been great. But like, I know that drinking and using is not, won't make my problems any better. It'll make everything worse.
0: Yeah. So... What else has, I'm trying to think of things that will actually benefit the people who wrote in asking us to check in on our sobriety journeys. Now that you're this far into sobriety, do you find you, what keeps you from letting your guard down? You know, how do you not fall into the pitfall of, or do you find it easy after eight years to not go out?
1: Uh, Okay, it's not that it's easy. be
0: on or off the wagon, whichever the analogy is.
1: It's not that it's easy but at this point in my life in my recovery, I am surrounded by a community of people in recovery who I love and care about really deeply. And those are the people that I interact with on a daily basis. And so a lot of times because I've created this like buffer of, of recovery around me, I I don't even think that it's an option because like I'm surrounded by people who are, you know, doing the work you know, have a working a program, having a spiritual experience, all those sorts of things. We talk about recovery, like it's not all we talk about, but like it's such a part of my life that like, it really doesn't even seem worth it to like go out. Because like, what do I have if I'm out? Like I have a community that will still love me and welcome me and embrace Mm -hmm. me back in open arms, but it's like, I don't know. And the, the thing is that because I have this community, when shit does get hard, when things get bad, I I can I have people to talk to and people to like hold like cradle me right and that's what the most important part to me about you know recovering sobriety is is this fellowship of people who are all working towards the same thing right and like we don't we don't all have our highs and at the same time so like we're able to be there for each other when things get tough or when someone's going through something that is really hard there are people who've been through the same thing and stayed sober and they can they are you know you. If you haven't dealt with it, you point it to someone to someone who has, you know, and like they show you that it's possible to do it without, you know, relapsing. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's like at this point in my sobriety, I don't think I've got it. I don't think anyone's got it, you know, like 100%. I'm by like the grace of, of a power greater than myself. I haven't drank in almost nine years. I didn't do that, you know, uh, something else, did <laughs> but like I, for me, sobriety is, sobriety is joyous. I'm far happier as a sober woman than I was as a woman who was drinking. My life is way less complicated, um, it's full of a lot more joy, it's full of a lot of expansion, and so for me, it's just, just a better option for me in my life in the moment,
0: mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. W- was it a hurdle for you in the beginning? The feeling that, because I don't like to be told what to do or told that I'm doing something wrong because it implies that I fucked up again or like, I, Oh, I disappointed yet another person or I can't do life. Right. I no matter how hard I try. I can't fucking like, I can't even whatever. So I was a secret drinker and I, didn't want to be helped by a community. I wanted to just stop drinking myself because I try so hard. You know what I mean? Um, And I think you're pointing to a key thing, which is that everyone, it's just universally true that you'll have a better chance statistically, like an order of magnitude, better chance of quitting your drug or alcohol with a community involved supporting you. Um, Took a lot for me, and it's still something I struggle with to not view that as a weakness. So I want people out there who, that resonates with to hear that that if someone's trying to help you, it's okay, then <laughs> they are trying to help you because I don't know there's such a thing as and I've been in one you know a toxic relationship where someone's trying to mold your behavior for their own ends, but it's it's not the same thing like I have to remind myself of that. A Jack Nicholson's line from uh as good as it gets, you make me want to be a better enemy. man like <laughs> I'm with my current partner, and I find myself often thinking, Wait a minute, as if this is a problem. am I only not drinking because I'm with someone, and like they would be so disappointed and it would ruin my life, and my life would go off the rails and I'd be alone and and die in the gutter? Is that the only reason I'm not drinking, and I'm like yeah, that's a bunch of reasons not to drink. That's Is that not a good reason? reason? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be, to be contingent on just because, I don't want to not drink just so people respect me. I don't want to not drink just so I don't end up in the gut. And it's like, no, these are good reasons to not drink and use them. It's fine. It's It's like there's this bizarre addiction to the platonic ideal of, I just want to force myself to think my way through it. I spent many years trying to think my way out of, like, damn, I really want to not drink, but every night I drink a whole bottle of Jameson. I'll f- keep thinking about it. I'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, and that was like six years of my drinking. And yeah, driving. you're like, oh huh, like-
1: Interesting. Go, go, Interesting go, 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 how go, go, I keep go. drinking it
0: every night, even though I wake up in the morning and think I don't want to. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you got to just dive in, and you do have to, you don't have to, but I find that if you reach out to community, like I think even whatever, there's statistics of like, yes, there exists the person who was like, I woke up one day and just had a spiritual shot out of the blue and never touched the stuff again. Like that cartoon where you see a ghost and you throw the alcohol away. (laughs) and It's like, good. I'm great. But man, do not try to hold yourself to that standard. I think a useful, actionable advice we can give is that get yourself involved in a community, get over the shame component as much as possible, because that's why a community of other people who are alcoholics is so useful. You don't have to be like, and I'm admitting this to someone who does have discipline. Oh my God, they must think I'm such a piece of shit. It's like, you'll go to, I mean, I go to AA meetings and in those meetings, you'll hear people are like, so there I was, you know, with an eight ball of heroin and a shotgun in my mouth. And you're like, okay, this person's not going to judge me if I explain all my horrible (laughs) shit. That's
1: the thing too, is that like, you know, we're talking in a general way, but I think that like, I the The petulant thing of not want, wanting to be told what to do. Like the reason I don't feel that when I reach out to the fellowship of, of other people in recovery is because they know what the fuck I'm going through. Like they, it's not some pure as the driven snow person telling me like, don't do this and don't do that. And you have to do this. It's a person who fucking got shit based and like, laid down in the middle of a parking lot in front of a whole bunch of people on a Saturday night, you know, suggesting that maybe I try this. Literally, if every, you know, and I know every, there's, like, different vibes of, like, recovery. Some people are more like do this, 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 and this, and whatever. But most of the, like, things that people tell me in recovery are like, I went through X. I did this. It helped maybe you do that. Nobody goes like, Uh, you gotta do this. It's like,
0: Oh, see, my problem is I, and in case other people out there are like this, I take everything as gospel that anyone tells me, or I have a strong propensity to, I, if I were a dog, I would roll over and show you my belly very quickly. (laughs) I want the approval of whoever I'm interacting with. I don't know. I just view life as transactional, or at least that's my instinct. And I, I want, So like a huge hurdle for me and I was just like privileged to be speaking to a group of addicts and had this realization while I was talking of like, uh, I don't know when it happened, but I somehow at some point took control of those rules for myself and decided that people who are trying to help me were not trying to be prescriptive. They were just telling me things that happened to work for them and that I was allowed to look at that as like, like you might look at a painting or an assemblage of items and get from it, whatever I get from it. So the realization that my sobriety journey is not, even though. We just happen to discover. Or I have happened to discover that my sobriety journey has many, many, many delightful little details that you find out. Oh, I thought that was just me, but everyone goes through that. Or like, a lot of it is very uh, generic or like trope driven. But um, that doesn't mean that my sobriety journey isn't unique to me, and that's also okay. I don't have to. Well, you gotta you quit in this way on this date. You use the app to count your days. For example, I just remember what month I'm in. I couldn't tell you the exact day, and I know some sober people who are like, "You don't know the day? You've lost track of." That's the first step towards losing track of yourself and your soul, and then the first drink. And I'm like, I used to worry. Oh, they're right. I'm and now I'm like, "No, I'll be fine. I have a post-it note with how many months it's been. That works for me." Yeah. It's it works for me. That's that's the bottom line.
1: <laughs> and it's all <laughs> continually evolving and changing. So like you might exactly. get to a point where you're like, "Hi, I wonder what the actual day is." Just like for your own mm-hmm. edification if you Look go up back and start remembering you figure it, it yeah. out or whatever, but it's like I understand that thing of wanting to just like I don't wanna be black and white about anything. I just wanna learn how to mm. exist in this gray area. Because I am a yeah. person who believes in absolutes, right? It's one or the other, and the truth is it's not. It's most of the time gray in the middle. And like, the only absolute for me in my sobriety is don't agree use, no matter what. That's the only like mm. hard and fast rule for myself. But the truth is I don't have to make that decision really ever because I'm like taking the time to cultivate my sobriety and my sober life. It takes
0: some maintenance for the rest of your life, but it becomes second nature and the maintenance does lessen and lessen, right? But I also think it's important to say in the same breath that it is like going to the gym. I don't think I could just forget about it, set it and forget it. I would eventually run afoul of a drink and I wouldn't have my guard up. Yep. You know?
1: Yeah. And I mean, that, that I still, every once in a while will have a thought. Like I was walking from my car at my parking spot up to my apartment. It's super hot in LA right now. And I had a thought of like, man, margarita would be so good right now. Mm. Now on the rocks and salt on the rim. You know, like, <laughs> and and I still have those thoughts. Like, I'm an alcoholic. Of yeah. course I'm going to have those thoughts. But, it, but it's funny because I, like, think about, I think it, and then I go, like, yeah, but, like, what? Is it worth it? <laughs> it's just feel, mm-hmm. Is it worth it that one margarita because cause once the margarita happens, right. then I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. And, like, I don't know. It's, it's a process, right? Like, but because my sober life is so like I've cultivated a sober life that is so important to me, that thought comes into my head and I go like, no, but that's only because I've done the active work consistently every day to have a sober life that is important to me. That's more important than the drink or the drug.
0: That's another thing is I do find that it's easier to cultivate a positive behavior than just cold turkey and negative behavior and leave a void in its place. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is just a practical tip, but like as much as you can, and then there's the whole, of course, depression makes this its own challenge or like various mental challenges make this their own challenge, but... As you can, and if you can, find ways to engage in community or even in, if it's smaller scale and you can't deal with people yet, a new hobby, something you've always wanted to do, reading a book you've always meant to read if you're a reader, whatever. Um, I did I do, I did, and do find that keeping myself busy, and in fact, like there's times where I think to myself, and it could be totally valid, that it's just another game of whack-a-mole, and now I'm addicted to being engaged in... Activity that I find enriching. But then I'm, then I, of course, immediately think, well, that's much better than the thing you were addicted to before. That's literally what they, whatever they say, high on life or what have you, right? You've managed to become addicted to just the normal routine of doing things. At least, at least you're there, I guess. But there's a part of me that always is like, I wonder if I'll ever be the Buddha, though, where you could say, like, I could take or leave everything. And it's like, well, you will definitely because one day you'll be a corpse and you could take (laughs) everything. But, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Part of me yearns. I still see the journey as you say progress, not perfection. And it's so funny. I have a little voice in me that's like, yeah, but but maybe someday, Mr. Homer, like we'll get there. We'll reach perfection. How cool would that be? you become perfectly spiritual like to the point where you could just walk into a war and be like hey guys don't and everyone would be like peace fills me because of how (laughs) spiritually whole this person is yeah i
1: want to be that guy (laughs) but see like progress not perfection you're assuming progress is like piddling along but you can have Mm. massive progress you can shoot Mm for as close to perfect as you can. What is that fucking sure. shoot an arrow into the sky or, and, at the moon and I if you don't make this. it, you land amongst this, whatever that fucking bullshit saying is? I hate that is.
0: because, yeah, it says shoot for the moon and you'll land among the stars, but the stars are further away from the moon. I know. So it should be shoot for the stars <laughs> and you'll hit the moon.
1: Yes. Whatever. Shoot what for I, the stars <laughs> and you'll
0: hit the moon. All right, there we it's go. It's a dumb it's saying,
1: and I agree, and I agree. <laughs> but like... The, the result of that is still going to be way better than not trying at all. You know, and I think about the, if we're getting really like saying the, I always think of the Wayne Gretzky quote, you know, it's a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for me still. What I'm grappling with in the, at this period in my life is like, Fear keeps me very small. And that's the way in which my alcoholism will manifest itself today is like fear, self-centered fear that I'm going to not going to get what I want, that I'm going to lose what I have. And that was the bottom that I hit was my life was very small and I was full of a lot of fear. And what I'm realizing is that fear and uncomfortability feel very similar, um, in that it's just like someone tear my fucking skin off. That's how I feel when I'm really afraid and also when I'm uncomfortable. But the thing is, is that uncomfortability can lead to growth. It can lead to, yeah, like expansion. It can lead to new things, new experiences, new opportunities. Fear doesn't lead anywhere. Fear keeps me where I'm at. Fear tries to keep me safe by keeping me small. And having being incredibly uncomfortable right now at this moment in my life, you know, I'm, I'm newly out as a lesbian. I am learning about what sexuality is, what, mm. you know, like, what am I actually, what do I actually want? What am I actually into? I went on field, which is this like, uh, you know, queer friendly, uh, E friendly app, dating app. And there are so many acronyms. And I don't fucking know what anything mm. is. But I'm like, wow, someone can have this individualized a sexual experience, um, a sexual identity? What a, wow, like, I don't, you know, like, mm. I don't know where I stand in that, but I I'm here, you know, and, like, I'm making art and uncomfortable all the fucking time <laughs> as I'm figuring out what my process is, what I like, what... I make who I want, what I, you know, what I want to put in this. I so uncomfortable <laughs> because I'm like, I've never done this before, but I'm going somewhere. It's leading me to an, another uh, phase of my experience as a human being. Right. Whereas fear, I just expect more of the same. Fear is
0: the mind killer. Let's just say it.
1: I just stay very, I just, I stay in this place where I know exactly what's going to happen if I do X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. because I've done it before. And I would far, I'm learning, I would much rather be uncomfortable than be afraid. And that's something I think that sobriety has taught me is, doing new stuff is super uncomfortable. Of course you don't know what the fuck's going to happen because you've never done it before. Why would I know, you know, the prayer I say more often than not over and over again, uh, God please set aside everything I think I know for an open mind and a new experience. And, you know, I would say that over and over and over again and then I'd have a new experience and be terrified. And it's like, but you're not going to know how to deal with a new experience. It's a new experience <laughs> you've never dealt with it before. So, like, gonna be uncomfortable and weird but that's part of it it's not bad yeah it's just uncomfortable yeah
0: so yeah it's like raising your hand at the show and getting called up on stage at that feeling of but nothing bad is gonna happen to you it's a show or like it's you're part of the game now you know
1: you're gonna get hypnotized it can be difficult to take
0: that first step
1: (laughs) in front of all the people at the fair and it'll be fine
0: exactly it'll be fine You'll have a story to tell. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've told a bit of a story and that was a very inspirational note to wrap up on. Do you have <laughs> press, other pressing inspirational monologues from your journey in sobriety right now?
1: I mean, I don't know. I'm just excited to get closer to who I am. Before dr- yeah, you know, sure. because drugs, and, drugs yeah. and alcohol obscured my life as a as a human, you know, and it kept mm-hmm. me small, and it kept me angry, um, and it kept me lonely, um, and and I still had glimpses of connection and of love and of friendship, you know. But my life is whole and full, and my favorite line in the big book is, you know, this is a process that allows for limitless expansion. And that's what I want. Mm -hmm. I want limitless limitless expansion. I want to try all the things I want to try. I want to meet all these people just that I haven't met yet. You know, I want to figure out what weird sex stuff I'm into. Like, I, I want to know. I want to know all of mm-hmm. myself better. Um, and for so long, I was trying not to know myself. I was trying to be someone I wasn't. And I was trying to tamp down all the parts of me that are not anybody else but me. And I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not. That's not interesting to me.
0: It's awesome. Well, for me, it's there's also a very practical dimension. I was using drugs and alcohol to try and quiet the chattering voices in my mind and have more frequent moments of a uh, quiet presence where I actually feel like I am aware of the life force that's flowing through me and like appreciate being part of the universe and being alive rather than thinking about the future or the past. And so I'll just report to people that that resonates with, that I'm more able to do that in sobriety than with drugs or alcohol, even though um, drugs or alcohol are like, they're like a hammer. Like they're, they would shut my, yes, the voices in my head would stop chattering for a minute if I got drunk enough, but... Uh, well, first of all, you barely encode the memory. So it wasn't, it's not like a moment of presence that you can really appreciate or carry with you or gain sustenance from at any other time in your life. And, uh, it's fleeting and you wake up and you're hungover, and eventually it goes away and you can never get it back no matter how much you drink or do. So, uh, literally I have found, and I know meditation doesn't work for everyone, but I've just started meditating every day and that has given me a little more control also finding the right meds has given me more
1: control i mean honestly uh, for me places. i had to get yeah. i had to get sober to know i needed that i was clinically depressed and needed to be medicated some people have the opposite experience right. where they need to get their psychiatric self in order in order to get sober mm-hmm. everybody's get journey sober, is right. different but like i mean how much of that chatter was Fucking ADHD that you were undiagnosed. Like you don't really right. know because when you throw a bunch of alcohol and drinks on top of stuff, it doesn't help the situation. It just kind of obscures it.
0: And it will sometimes fleetingly give you a fake version of that connectedness feeling I was describing, which is what's so beguiling about it and baffling and powerful. But um yeah, just confirming that in sobriety, if you work at it, you can impel that state in your brain. Like, now I can sit and look at a tree and take deep breaths and... I got to say, it feels like being high. <laughs> like, like If I meditate, if I met, I mean, maybe I'm just feeding the addiction again, but at least it's one that's not going to destroy my body and brain. Is like, I sit there meditating and I feel good and happy and like, whoa, this feels good. And I'm like, is this bad that I feel good? And I'm like, no, you're just breathing deeply. This is allowed. You yeah. Your, your
1: brain's getting oxygen <laughs> to parts of it that probably weren't with right. shallow breaths and your brain feels more yeah. alive. I always think of the fact that like, I did a low-carb diet for like two years when I was probably five, four, three or four years sober, and um, Mm. I ate rice, and I was mortified. I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God, I can't. I I ate rice, and I called my sponsor, and she goes, Katie, rice is not whiskey, you know? (laughs) And like, I have to just like... Things. Well,
0: you worry about the ism. You're like, but the ism made me eat the race. Like the fact that I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. And but the thing like, is, is down. like the ism
1: will always <laughs> exist, right? And if I'm doing yeah. the work, you know, spiritually, mentally, with my community to stay buffered, then those isms don't rear their head as as bad as as they sometimes do but sometimes they do and I just have to ride it out because I will hit a bottom I always do I'll hit a point where I'm smoking and again and I'm like I don't want to do this anymore and it doesn't feel good you know and then I take action contrary action right and like you know if you're trying yeah. to kick alcohol, eat a lot of chocolate because it it has a similar effect on your body. And chocolate is not whiskey. That's okay. that's my piece of, of advice. If you're trying to I'll quit drinking, <laughs> if you're trying trying to quit drinking, eat chocolate when you have a craving. They say it in the Big Book. It's I you know like I fully believe you need to get past that really tangible physical craving. But Katie,
0: our dependence on cacao beans is denuding the rainforest. Everything is, a, is connected to everything.
1: Yeah. It's, let's it, not
0: get into all that right now. It
1: 100% is. But honestly, like, I can't be of service to the world and help try and For save sure. it if I'm a fucking drunk in the gutter. I can't. I can't do it. So it's like, take care of, you know, put the mask on yourself. Get settled. And then work on, you know, being a positive influence in your sphere.
0: In your ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do what you can with what you have right now because I'm sort of – I'm just – I'm being facetious, but I, there but is that, that, but that loop, that voice, that in the, loop that comic that's like, ah, and yet you are a part of society. Ah, and yet you eat chocolate and that's, you live on the grid. Like the very nature that you use electricity is damaging, you know, but that loop will, anyway. keep, will
1: keep, our like, my brain is an alcoholic will so use anything to keep me trapped in that little place, right? And I know a lot of people who that sort of thinking, that cyclical, you know, will will keep a person like, why even try? And it's because you should be here. You're here. You should stay here. And like, we want to know what you have to offer. But drugs and alcohol obscure that. And, you know, like, if you get out of that hole, if you get out of the pit, you know, you can be a positive influence on this world, you know, and and in whatever scale that may be.
0: And we're getting out of the pit right damn now. Thank you so much, Katie. Where can people find uh you're phenomenal, like the new direction you've gone. Where's your art at? Where can people see how you're evolving right now? Well,
1: so right now in my art hibernation, I'm not allowed to post my art on social media. It's just about creating it, but, uh, mm. <laughs> but.
0: Oh, that's the self-imposed.
1: Yeah, because ca- I was.
0: Caveat, gotcha, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I need to
1: be able to make, like, make art that makes me happy. Uh, and then if other people mm-hmm. like it, that's great. Um, but that, I'll start posting my work come December 1st, but please, 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 um, follow me on at Katie woolert art, K A T I E W I L L E R T A R T on uh, Instagram. And then I also have a Twitter and at Katie And then if you just want to follow me being, you know, gay, um, and my, and just being me, uh, at K A willert on Instagram and Twitter.
0: But. She won't be responsive right now because of all the things she said about social media diet, but yeah. later maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, follow, take your best follow shot. Follow
1: now, I'll be back in a, in a healthier. Follow now,
0: she'll be back. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and we'll be back again with another Tales from the Pit when indeed I find a compelling reason to put one together. Bye, everyone. Bye.